You're listening to the Knowing Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Hey everybody, it's great to be back here with you today. This is episode 27, and it's a good one, friends. I get pretty personal today, Uh, more than I was planning on, of course, but more importantly, the topic is for everyone. But before I introduce my guest, I wanted to talk about something else for a minute. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but Knowing Motherhood is a fully self-supported podcast. And my husband and I have chosen at this time not to take on sponsorships or any financial support at all. I wanted to mention this because it can often be assumed that there's some kind of revenue stream for any type of production like this, whether that's paid sponsor content, advertising a product like books, or some kind of merchandise. Um, to me, knowing motherhood up to this point has not been a space where I could commit to sponsorships. And more importantly, it's a passion project in which I just haven't wanted to be distracted by financials of any kind. So we've covered the cost up to this point. We don't have any employees. I am the visionary and I do the work of connecting the guests or connecting with the guests, sorry, and considering guest requests. I create the interview content, schedule recording dates, create social media content, and I research as needed. Together, my husband and I We edit and publish new episodes, and there have been more than a few times where I've had to request via text message a box of Kleenex or called upon my personal tech support to fix an issue on mine or my guest's behalf. While I'm the voice and the face behind Knowing Motherhood, I want to give a really warm shout out today to my husband, Colin, for all he does behind the scenes because without his love, as cheesy as it sounds, and support and technical support, of course, Knowing Motherhood wouldn't exist. I don't know all that God has planned for Knowing Motherhood in the future, but I'm grateful to be offering what we do here. And if in the future an opportunity to receive some financial support is presented, we may feel compelled to accept. However, for now, it's a privilege to continue as we are. Okay, on to today's episode. I am honored to have a previous guest back with me today to talk about trauma and finding the courage to celebrate in the midst of suffering. Nicole Zazowski joined me back in 2020 for an uh, for episode 18, and that was almost two years ago exactly. And a side note, if you're wondering how we're only at episode 27, that is due to the fact that I took off all of 2021 and part of 2020. Nicole and I touch on what big T and little t traumas are, the importance of recognizing the differences in how we perceive traumas, what a healing journey looks like, and the negative long-term effects of not acknowledging trauma and receiving care. Even if you're listening to this and thinking, I don't deal with trauma, I thought you said this was every or for everyone, you may be surprised by what you learned today. Trauma, big and small, does affect you more than you realize, whether it's personal or present in the life of someone close to you. 
Lastly, and most important, Nicole offers us some invaluable insight on why celebration is a must for everyone, no matter their circumstances, and how we can do that in the simplest of ways and see Jesus in the middle of it all. Hi, Nicole. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's fun to chat with you again. Oh, I know. I've been looking forward to this so much. Um, I want to hear a little update from you because some I think you've added a little a little person to your life, to your family since we last chatted, right? Yes. I probably my my second son was probably an infant when we talked last. Yes, yes. And those little babes are um fourteen months apart. So wow. um do you do you know what month? We recorded. I can't. I don't know. Why have, <laughs> I know. I'd have to look back, but I think you're right. You, you did have, you, yeah. You had your oldest or your firstborn, and then your, yeah, your secondborn was pretty young. Yeah. yeah. And I may have been waiting um, to see if we would get to meet her. Um, so, um, yeah, she just turned one in February. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, praise God. It's so fun. And your kids are truly, I think I commented on a post recently and said they are just three of the most darling little babes that I've ever seen. I mean, I think so, but but I'm biased. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. Oh my goodness. Oh, they're just precious. And and um, it just looks like you're enjoying motherhood so much. I mean, we both know it comes with challenges, but what, what's it been like being a mom of three? Oh, I love it. I'm just so excited that I get to do it. Um, and yes, it doesn't mean I'm not in reality about <laughs> the frustrations. And um, I don't have my days where um, I feel more more burdened than, than grateful in, in some ways. But um, mostly just really, really grateful. And I think you know, I think I would have had a different perspective. Um, it's one of the things I'm thankful for that God used my story um, in a way that I think I have a different perspective on them as as gifts and not entitlements or just next yeah. steps. Um, not a result of my own control or planning or goodness, but but pure, yes. pure gifts of grace from God. So that shifts a lot of my parenting hopefully (laughs) no i really agree with that i think walking through loss truly changes and shifts perspective and it's not that we would wish it on anyone else but we have been able to i think come to that place of of i don't even know if the word appreciate is correct but it's just that we we are thankful for what the lord's taught us through that difficulty and that pain um so we're going to, let's talk a little bit today about, um, or let's start off our conversation a little bit, um, and just touching on current events. I would love to talk a little bit about what mothering for you has been like during the last, I mean, it's crazy. It's been over two years that we've been dealing with a very big upset, you know, in our world through the pandemic. But I'd just love to hear, if you don't mind sharing a tiny bit about what that's been like for you personally, and then kind of what you've been seeing, that bigger picture, the effects on, you know, just people's overall mental health and wellness. It's kind of a loaded question. But if, yeah, if you can touch on that, that'd be great. Sure. I mean, globally, probably both for me and, and the people in my practice and friends and family, 
I think there's been a loosened grip on our control um, and we've confronted things that we can't change Uh um, and that, you know, money or hard work can't fix. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And that, you know, to varying degrees impacts us all differently. Um, But it's been a fascinating season to be a therapist because... Mm -hmm while not all of my clients have been in the exact same situation or have had the same perspective on the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've never had my caseload collectively going through approximately the same thing. And so um, I've definitely seen <laughs> trends um, at different points, you know, stages of grief, if you will, of, <laughs> you know, frustration as they confront something they can't change and can't fix. And then just, you know, kind of a hopelessness and, and even depression in some cases. Just, um, you know, I think for all of us, it's, it's really, I'll, I'll speak for myself, it's really revealed what's in my own heart. Um, I've had to confront some things that, you know, particularly around control and where, where is my hope invested in. Um, and you know what what do i how do i consider celebration in the midst of a story i wouldn't have written for anybody you know where where yeah. do we find our joy and i've noticed in the best of cases that our celebration leans toward what's eternal um and our hope is more tethered to what matters and uh-huh. our identity is more tethered to what matters and what matters to Christ. Um, so I've noticed, you know, in the best of cases, that that, that those are some really beautiful trends. But um, right. as a mom, you know, practically speaking, my kids were little enough where we weren't super impacted by that season of having to do school at home and, you know, when schools weren't really sure how to do that. And, um, so our lives looked largely pretty similar, except for the fact that in Connecticut, every beach and park and hike within a mile radius of me was closed. Um, and I had a four month old son and a four year old son at the time and when it first hit and you know our house was not tiny by any means um we loved it but but with a husband working at home it was not large enough for us to be quiet enough for him to (laughs) to have the peace he needed so i would just get in the car and drive an hour to the closest open beach and we would look for sea glass and now we have jars color coordinated of thousands of pieces of sea glass um, because it's been our family's daily digging for delight um, in the midst of this season and I look at those jars and I think ah God has woven friendship and you know laughter and community into our family in this time as well so certainly hard and not what I would have chosen but there's been a lot of beauty too yeah oh I I think that that is such a beautiful representation for the years to come. Looking at this jar of this glass and being able to be reminded of the beauty in the broken 
and being able to talk with your children as they get older that, you know, this is the way that we embraced joy mm-hmm. in the midst of a really trying time. I find that so inspiring. That's beautiful. Yeah. And our daily digging for delight in the present becomes the fingerprints of God's faithfulness in our life. Like, like you uh-huh. said, I look at that, those jars and think, Oh, wow. Like we, we have lived so many beautiful moments together and it gets me excited for what's to come. Hmm. Yeah. Amazing. And, and I love how God shows up in those, those little moments in such a big way mm-hmm. and how he uses them to have such an impact on us and the people around us. I want to talk with you today about trauma. Um, not just understanding what it is, but also how to how to find healing um, and how to celebrate in the midst of it. You have this amazing new book coming out very soon, and I love to hear a little bit more about it and what led you to write it. Yes, I would love to, t- to share it with you. Um, this is a message that was born out of the first book from lost to found um, because as you know from lost to found is really about a season in my life that was largely characterized by a lot of change a lot of loss a lot of longing it was just a really long season of heartache and um, as I was emerging from that, I, d- I don't think our seasons in life are ever either all pain or all joy, but I do think sometimes they lean in one direction or another. Um, and we were entering a season where there was more breakthrough and more good news. And I realized that, you know, when we go through something hard or painful, there's the loss itself so there's the painful event whether that's a literal loss of a family member or a betrayal and then there's the cost and the cost is the impact to either our identity or our sense of safety and it took me a really long time to realize that part of the cost for me of that season was I whenever I experienced joy, it was accompanied by a lot of fear. Um, Celebration always felt like it came with a catch. Um, It required a lot of courage for me to embrace joy and be in the present moment without fearing the other shoe dropping on the other side. Um, Dreaming felt like a dumb thing to do. Hope felt really scary. And I was realizing this as all these beautiful things were happening in my life and really, really grieved um, that, yes, there was the loss itself, but there was also the loss of a lot of really beautiful connections with my community and with my husband and even sometimes my kids um, because I was so afraid to embrace the joy right in front of me. Wow. Yeah, that's really a hard place to be before you actually can acknowledge that it's an issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that that acknowledgement is 
is so important, but it can take time to get there. Um, but I love that you've written this book, and I love that um, you're sharing this message of hope that it's still possible mm. in the middle of suffering and recovery and and questioning um, to celebrate and not to lose the preciousness of, of this life and all, all that God allows us to experience and that he offers us. Yes. Yeah. Can, can we define, would you mind defining trauma? Um, the, the word trauma is used a lot. So people will, you know, go through something like, um, someone jumping out and scaring them and being like, oh, you just traumatized me for life. That's kind of like an over-exaggerative usage of that word. Um, And then there's actual real trauma that comes from a very um, scary event. Um, Can you lay this out for us a little bit? What is trauma? How does it defined um, in your line of work? Um, and, And how... How can we look at it on a, is there a scale? I want to know if there's a scale of traumas, um, you know, little traumas. I'm, I'm listening right now to Auntie Colbert's mm-hmm. book, Try Softer. Mm-hmm. And she talks about little T traumas and, and big T traumas. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Is that something that you use in your therapy? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about that. And I actually briefly talk about it in the book as well. Um, and I'm okay. with you. I don't. I don't like to throw that word around um, uh-huh. because it means different things to different people. And I don't. Nor do I think it's helpful to necessarily rate our trauma against someone else's. Or like yes. I don't have the right to grieve or have feelings because it wasn't as bad, in my opinion, as something my friend or family member went through. Yes. Um, I think that can be a real block in a lot of our healing when we start comparing um, because then we assume, well, I should be fine because I I didn't go through this other thing. Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) And then we don't. (laughs) I've been there so many times. Yes, and then we don't end up dealing with what our version of that is um, because we don't really give ourselves permission to name it for what it is. So. Yeah. Um, there's so many different definitions of trauma, but a big T trauma would be what most of us think of if we were to think about um, the concept of a trauma. So, um, you know, uh, war experiences, um, you know, with soldiers coming back with PTSD because they've experienced in many cases, some very, very physically scary situations or a, a, you know, comrade has died in their arms or they've watched Mm -hmm. something very visually traumatic um, that your brain doesn't just forget. Um, So, or or really profound abuse growing up um, where, you know, people can recall sounds and and things that were said and um you know if it was physical abuse certainly the circumstances around that um that would be capital t trauma big t trauma Uh um and then there's this small t trauma um and this is i'm gonna guess a newer concept um because for a long time i think we were stuck 
in only assuming that those major events were traumatic and had uh. any sort of harmful impact on the brain. Um, but there's these small T traumas, um, which tend to be more chronic in nature. Maybe, maybe not something that any, that a, if you were a fly on the wall that you would look at as, ooh, that was a traumatic event. Um, but over time have very, very damaging effects on our sense of identity and particularly safety. Mm. Um, and so whether that's an unhealthy relationship um, that you are stuck in where it just feels like, you know, there's, those patterns are so ingrained and have um, that you've learned to survive and have given you really harmful messages over time. Um, or, you know, even an illness that you've battled for a really long time. Maybe there's uh -huh. no easy answers, but every time you go to the doctor and waiting rooms and wait for what kind of news you're going to get, that can be a small T trauma um, circumstance where nobody would say sitting in the waiting room is like a, a prisoner of war scenario, but for some, um, if they're always hoping to hear good news and have had experiences of hearing really hard news, waiting rooms can be really traumatic. Um, yeah. I know for me, ultrasounds are still traumatic um, because I've had hundreds of them at this point, and a lot of times it was, you know, there is no heartbeat, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. You're not going to get to meet this baby. Um, and then several where we weren't sure and several where we did receive good news, but it was really hard to trust. So just, uh -huh. just being in an exam chair and, and looking at a screen is really tough for me. Um, so I hope that, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think it's helpful to understand that there is a, a range of different yeah. types of trauma. One that comes to mind for me, I wasn't planning on sharing this, is I have a balloon popping. <laughs> okay, now. <laughs> uh -huh. So I don't know if you heard of this before. So I I have shared and and uh, with this before with, with different people in my life. Um, it happened um, about five or six years ago. Um and I would say I probably was in a postpartum stage, but it was probably a better one. Like I've gone through a lot of heavy postpartum um, stages with my babies. Um, mm -hmm. But I stayed up. I was up really late one night and I was planning my son's birthday party. And I had one of those really giant balloons um, that we had gotten blown up with helium. Yep. And it was late at night. I was really tired. I was putting pressure on myself to get this party perfectly set up, which is what I really struggled with back then. And um, I was I was getting some things prepped. Everyone was in bed sleeping. I wanted to be in bed sleeping. And the this balloon went up to the ceiling and popped mm. right beside me. Oh. And it was loud. And it 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 caused some trauma in my brain <laughs> because to this day I get actually physically nervous around balloons. And my children love balloons, Nicole. 
they love balloons. <laughs> so this has been a real interesting thing. And, and I don't use the word hate very often, but I hate it. I hate the fact that my body has this physical response to a balloon. It's It seems so silly to me, but over the years of kind of learning and studying a little bit more about psychology and the brain and about trauma especially, I've come to realize that there was something that happened mm. in my brain. And when I try to push through and I try to actually challenge that, which is what you have to do. You have to take the bull by the horns and you have to say, little by little, I'm going to face this bizarre fear. Um, And it looks different for everyone I know, and especially depending on what it is. But for me, I've had to hold a balloon in my hand blow it up a little ways and even if my heart starts beating faster I've had to just keep doing it and then breathe a little bit like and it's just the craziest thing like how does this happen to the brain this is what I want to (laughs) know yeah and there's a lot there's a lot going on there um (laughs) neurologically (laughs) that I'm probably not the best person to address but yes it's um it really narrows our vision when we get really anxious like that. And so um, one of the things that trauma does is it just, it's almost like tunnel vision where we can only see what we are fearing. Um, Right. So if you're around a balloon, you're not thinking of, oh, what joy is this going to bring my life um, today? (laughs) Your, Your vision is narrowed to what are the ways that I can prepare for the problem that this is going to cause? Yes. Thank you. Yes, that's right. Oh my goodness. I can relate. You know, it makes me, it just, it makes me realize, and this particular experience that I just shared has really caused me to realize that there are a lot of different things in our lives that can potentially cause trauma, whether it's for me, like this weird physical, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot going on in that little instance there um, that I would have never been able to guess that that would have caused what it did, but it doesn't disrupt my life. Like it doesn't, but for some people it it still does. It's still present though. Mm -hmm. It's not something that I have been able to correct in my brain where I'm not afraid to blow up a balloon anymore. But there is a quite a process to healing from trauma. Can you give us a little idea of what that looks like when you work with somebody in trauma? What are some of those first steps that help them kind of move forward in, in a healing journey from trauma? Yes, and it's um, slower is faster. Mm-hmm. That, is the, that is the phrase we keep front and center in or at least that I keep front and center in the work Um, because if you rush somebody through where you know very well intentioned where you to where you hope they will be (laughs) or where you would love to see them find peace and joy and freedom um, it can you can skip best case you probably skip a lot of the really important work and it doesn't work but you could also do some harm in forcing Mm. somebody um, to where they're not ready to go because part of part of um, an important piece of of healing from trauma is becoming really aware of your empowerment you know we're not in total control of our lives um, 
but God has given us agency and empowerment and sometimes trauma uh, makes it easy for us to feel like we're in a straitjacket and we're just the um, the victim of whatever happens to us and there's nothing that we can do to change it mm. and so um, those early steps are just going to be putting some structure around our experience so a lot of um, sharing stories and sometimes that is slow and more to the story might come out over time um, mm -hmm. a lot of putting language around that story so there's what happened and then there's like I said the impact to your identity and sense of safety and the cost of what happened um, and and you know I'm speaking very generally because obviously yes. every situation is different so this is not a one-size-fits-all thing mm -hmm. um, but then recognizing okay um, there's there's three main footholds to feeling secure in an unsafe situation and the first is I'm not alone so I have community I have people that love me I have you know if you've put your trust in Jesus you have the comfort of the Holy Spirit you know you mm -hmm. I'm not alone and then second and this is this is a place I tend to spend a lot of time um, with people who have experienced trauma is no I'm not in total control but I am empowered to make choices and so what are the what are the places that I have empowerment what choices can I make um, how can I start acting on those choices now what are the boundaries I need to draw um, what do those boundaries look like um, how can I put myself you know particularly if it's trauma that happened in a relationship and that relationship is still present you know how can I not cooperate with a system that is hurting me um, mm. and so just gaining empowerment and and I'll take your balloon example for you know you're not you're not going to leave a party because there's a balloon there like you said you found a way to have it not totally disrupt your life yes but you you can make some choices about where you stand um who you, you <laughs> right. know like in um what how you help set up the party maybe you can lay out the food instead of and i know these are smaller examples but i think it's a good one because we can apply it to so many different things like we you may not be able to control whether balloons are there but there are many choices you can make that would feel better to you um right. and and just acting on that empowerment is so important because we realize okay i i was really traumatized i was really wronged and there are choices i can make to move to different ground um that that help me feel more empowered right. um and then the final one which i don't think is very helpful to ask in the midst of a trauma or even soon after this is like for way down the road yeah but if i had to go through that and we're not calling that thing good this is not about drawing a silver lining on clouds that just need to be clouds 
Um, but if I had to go through that, how can I stuff my pockets with learning and growing that will benefit my life in the future or other relationships? So, um, you know, what, what has this grown in me that even if it grew from terrible ground, um, yeah. what, what beauty has been grown in me because of this? Um, and again, I'm, I cannot emphasize enough, we're not calling the bad thing good. <laughs> um, that's not what that question's about. But it is recognizing that even really hard things in our life can grow some really beautiful things in our hearts and in our character. Yeah. I love that. I, I love the, the giving words to um, the emotions and being um, giving freedom t- to those that need it to just call a spade a spade and say, this was really hard, mm-hmm. but what can I take from this moving forward? And how can I learn and grow? And, and then I think I love, this is something I've learned. The next step then is also then how can I use this to help others? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that, that's been huge for me. Yes. <laughs> huge. No, that's part of, I think that's part of that last question is I am, I am different and changed um, in, in mm-hmm. some really beautiful ways because of this. And how can I let that grow my compassion for other people? How can I be yeah. helpful in leading other people through their hardships around similar things? And so, um, Yes, again, I, I don't think God is the author of our suffering so that he can use us to help other people. But I think um, I, I think that is a beautiful thing that often comes from going through something hard as we can be beacons of light for other people on their journey. Yes, absolutely. How do you think, Nicole, celebrating the little things and the big things, whatever celebration looks like, um, how does it heal our brains? How does it heal us? I love that question. Um, so the last third of my book, I, of course, continue in biblical truth and personal story and, and mm-hmm. psychological research, but it's, it's more practical in nature. And just it was really important to me that people could walk away from reading the book and have ways of practicing celebration that didn't require something significant to change in their life so these are practices available to you whether or not you've received the good news or whether or not you've realized the dream or accomplished the goal Um, or whether that hard thing is still hard Um, and so I'll I'll tell you a few of my favorites Um, in the context of this conversation I really love the concept of savoring Um, and what savoring does is it celebrates the ordinary and the bonus is it's also a really great practice for anxiety so when you find your brain wandering into the future to worry about a possible outcome that you fear or you find yourself replaying the past and um, either beating yourself up for a conversation (laughs) that you wish would have gone differently or whatever it might be um, savoring keeps you very present 
and it keeps your brain very focused. So, um, and the way that you do this is really easy. You just ask your five traditional senses what they're experiencing either right now or what they're experiencing about a particular moment. So I will often do this when I'm holding my daughter because it's just, it's something that happens often, but something that I want to treasure. Or sometimes I'll just look at my three kids playing around in the living room and they all just look so themselves and so adorable in their own way. Mm -hmm. And I'll just savor what that moment is for me. And so just saying, okay, what do I see? What do I smell? What do I taste? What do I hear? And what do I feel? Um, And that helps my brain not only be very present in the moment, and that's what helps with the anxiety, but also celebrate something that my brain would be tempted to dismiss. Hmm. Um, Thanksgiving is another really great one. Um, and again, nothing needs to change to practice it. Uh, we often talk about gratitude as in terms of its impact on our joy. And that's mm. absolutely correct. The research is clear that it does increase our joy. Um, however, we don't often talk about Thanksgiving and the difference between the two. And so gratitude helps us note and name what we're grateful for. So it changes our perspective as we go through our day noting the good things and it helps us put language and structure around it by actually putting names to those things Mm. and that increases our joy. But the research also says that Thanksgiving doubles that joy that we glean from gratitude. So actually expressing the joy that we feel either to another person that we're grateful for, like actually communicating the difference that their presence makes in your life. Or um, this has been a really powerful exercise in my prayers because it's a way of celebrating the gift with the giver. Um, and and God being the giver of all good gifts, just in, in, it's the avenue we've been given to connect with God in the light of our joy. Often I think it's easier and we often think about what does it look like to connect with God in my struggle when I'm so aware of my need for him. And we have lots of ways of doing that, but we don't often talk about what does it look like to engage with my Heavenly Father in celebration. And Thanksgiving is the avenue we've been given to do that. Something I've been learning lately is how honoring it is to God to celebrate. And 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 I think to myself, why has this taken me so long to really um just to see God in celebrating? Why have I learned that somehow in the past and childhood and throughout all the years of walking through hardship and loss and in in sickness and all these things why how did i or where did i come to this conclusion that life was supposed to be hard and that was what where my focus needed to lie on what was the next hard thing coming like you said when when is the next shoe gonna drop you know um but you know so recently in the last couple of years i've just had such a shift of like recognizing the 
the joy it brings the heart of God when we celebrate this life and when we embrace the goodness of what he's given us without fear. Yes. Without fear. And I find in my conversations, when I really dig deep on what you just said um, with the people that I'm talking to, we have a lot of um, hesitation in terms of reconciling our invitation to celebrate with our value of humility Um, because we do want to honor God and Uh we're not sure what it looks like to do that um, and and to celebrate and I I really spent a lot of time thinking about this because I wasn't sure what it looked like Uh and my favorite story that illustrates um, a model for us on this is David is they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant in and he is just going wild in celebration. Like he is Uh not inhibited at all in his joy. And um, I'm never quite sure how to pronounce her name, but I think it's Michal. Um, Uh Some people say Michael, but Saul's daughter is looking upon David in disgust. Like this is so inappropriate that he is celebrating with such exuberance. And what we know is David just understands he's been a recipient of grace. Yes. And is that not the most natural response to God's grace for us um, who've experienced, you know, rescue through him on the cross and and resurrection um, and what that means for being united with him? I, I mean, that is just the most natural response and the heart of worship like you said and something that brings delight to him when he sees us delighting in his good gifts and I I actually realized that when I'm hesitant to celebrate I've made the good news or the gift about me because I'm so worried about being humble and looking um subdued and not like I'm egotistical and really if I recognize that this gift or good news that I get to celebrate is purely a gift of grace from God I have so much freedom in my celebration because so much freedom yes look look what God did look look what look how he moved in my life um and I'm not so worried about appearing um self-aggrandizing or or selfish somehow i have so many thoughts (laughs) so many things going through my head right now i was just thinking about how as a child i was very exuberant um despite some you know heaviness in our home but i was so i always had so much delight in in things and and so much energy and excitement for life and my parents would tell me this but then I also started hearing this message uh, from a young age that may sounded a little bit along the lines of you're you're a bit much it's a bit much your excitement is a little much Mm -hmm. Um, and as I got older that stuck with me It wasn't like somebody shut me down per se, but I just little comments here and there in our lives affect us so deeply, especially those of us who have just a very sensitive spirit. And, um, and I, I learned that in counseling, Nicole, (laughs) 
I learned that because I didn't think of myself that way, but I now see that it's so true. But, you know, and it, so it really kind of rocked me. And so as I grew older, I, I carried that with me, you know, um, in my pocket, um, kind of using that analogy that you, you, you shared earlier. But I carried that in my pocket as a definition of who I was, that I was a little much and I needed to keep it toned down. Mm-hmm. And another beautiful thing that God does, and this just, it makes me, it makes my heart so glad um, that he's, he's given me a freedom back in the last few years of, of joy, of like, you know what, I, I cannot live under the shadow of what has been spoken over me or what I chose to believe about myself. Yeah. Like this, this is who God made me to be. And if I don't live that out, I'm not bringing glory to him. It doesn't mean I get to be crazy and wild and uninhibited, right? In, in a way that is, um, you know, wrong and, right. and uh, offensive. But, but if my, just my pure joy, um, offends others and I'm not just talking about myself now I'm saying for anyone right we cannot let that fear of what others think or what they see stop us from relishing and savoring and celebrating right right yeah no and I think I have a similar story of reclaiming that exuberance that was there when I was younger and so delighted by God's presence in my life and and his creation and um, the gifts that he was giving me and got quieted over time. Um, and there's several messages I think that can quiet our, our exuberant celebration, but there's a lot in my book, What If It's Wonderful, about reclaiming that and the, how to do that while honoring God. I, you mentioned you know not doing that in a way that's offensive or um inappropriate and i think when it looks like that it looks like more of an escape from pain like you're trying to numb your pain or Mm -hmm. it's it's pleasure seeking um in a way that disconnects you from yourself and god and other people and celebration is actually an avenue of connection with our own feelings and with god and with other people and so and and sometimes if you know, I'm a fly in the wall. I may not even be able to tell a difference in what purpose a celebration is is serving in your life. Um, but that's a good gut check. Am I am I doing this to escape or numb my pain, or am I doing this to engage with my joy? Hmm. If trauma isn't acknowledged and it's not worked through, what are some of the negative results? that a person's going to see from that if it's pushed back and it's it's hidden away yeah there are many many faces to this um but the important piece to reflect on is that it will come out sideways um unprocessed trauma just gets cemented in and starts to feel really toxic for us and and we it changes our lens on how we see ourselves and our relationships and um and our own empowerment as we move about the world um and so it it just changes the way we can interact with um our relationships and and events um, Uh in our lives so 
I really encourage anybody that feels like they might have some trauma to work through, whether big T or little T, um, mm-hmm. to, to talk with someone and, and go really slow and start that journey. Yeah. There's a lot of examples in the Bible um, that we can, where we can find people walking through intense trauma. I mean, it's all throughout <laughs> the Word of God. I mean, He's allowed it to be there for a purpose, right? Um, you know, if you don't have somebody else in your life who's walked through any kind of trauma, um, that, or maybe even on a level that can relate to you or that you at least know about, um, you can go into the Word of God and find it immediately. And this morning, when we were, when I was preparing um, for our conversation, I I found myself reading in Job, and I just was reminded of like the level, <laughs> the great level of what he could have called trauma. I mean, that happened in this man's life. Everything being taken away in an instant, um, loved ones killed, and the loss of great financial um, stability. Mm-hmm. Um, just um, so many things, and the friends in his life who came and tried to convince him that of so many wrongs that God was not. Good, that God was not worthy of his praise, that God was not, that God was frowning upon him because of what had happened. Mm-hmm. And I was reading some of my notes um, about what Job was saying when he was speaking these words. And I, if you don't mind, I just wanted to read a little section here. Um, he says, it's in Job 23. He says, And there's two parts to this, two thoughts to this. And I wanted to hear your thoughts in reflection as well. But he says, but he knows the way that I take when he has tested me. I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. And I read those verses this morning and I thought that's the answer right there is clinging to the hope that we have in Christ day by day, one foot in front of the other. Um, And God will, and he knows this, Job knew this. Once he has allowed me to walk through this enough to his liking, which is so hard for us to say and to hear, I will come forth as gold. Mm And he will refine me and he will use this. Um, And he goes on to say, and the next part of it is so interesting because he mentions, um, he carries out his decree against me and many such plans he still has in store. Like what? This man who's lost everything is still able to acknowledge that God may have more, right? Yeah. And he says, And that is why I am terrified before him when I think of all of this. I fear him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Like, what? He's recognizing the absolute sovereignty of God over his life. And he's saying, yet I am not silenced by the darkness, by the thick darkness that covers my face. Wow. Like, I read that this morning and I thought, Lord, this man... You allowed him to walk through this because you knew that he knew you well. He did not want anything to separate himself from you. Yes. And he feared you alone, not his circumstances. And that was the key, right? Like, wow. 
Yes. Now, one of my favorite lines from Job is, I know, I take comfort in the fact that in the end, my Redeemer lives. And just understanding what is dark today is not going to be dark forever. Right. And if you feel like, if you only knew my circumstances, you'd know how much celebration feels like it's so far away. And Mm. I, I hear that. Sometimes we practice celebration and we don't always feel celebratory I get it Mm -hmm. Um, and and just knowing that you know our inheritance and the future that is promised to us is paved with joy and delight and celebration yes um, no matter what we walk through here and that doesn't make it easy it doesn't change uh, or it doesn't eradicate the pain from our lives Um, But I do think it changes the nature of the pain um, to know that what's dark today is not going to be dark forever. Absolutely. That is the truth. And I'm thinking of the person sitting in, um, who's walking in and out of depression right now and is having a really hard time seeing that heavy cloud lift. Do you have any words of encouragement for them? What's the next step? What's the next step for them today? You know, the word of encouragement that I would offer um, is a a reader reached out to me probably a few months ago now, and she asked me this really brave and vulnerable question. She said, do you think that I need to demonstrate a certain level of hope or a certain level of um, belief and, and celebration before I... Uh, before God is willing to intervene in my circumstances because she was feeling so defeated and so like hope was just really hard to access. But she was worried that if I don't show up hopeful that God will not be willing. And um, I thanked her for that brave question because I think it's something that we all wonder and worry about at different points in our lives. And I certainly have in, in my performance based faith when when that was really heavy for me Um, but the encouragement I want to press into the palms of somebody who that hope might be really hard to access right now is God's faithfulness is not dependent on your faith God's goodness to you is not a function of your own goodness Um, and so just to rest there um, and yes, there are next steps, but I, I think the best first step is to just invite God into the place that you are rather than trying to have the perfect feelings for God or be in a certain place for God. Yeah, I love how you you mentioned performance-based faith because I relate so much to that. And I think that's where we get so stuck and we we actually lose the ability to see God working because we're so focused on our own working. Yes. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. This has been such a good conversation with you, Nicole. I could keep talking with you for a lot longer. Same. <laughs> but I want to hear um, just a few more little details about when your your new book is coming out so that our listeners can have um, um, knowledge of that and where they can connect with you as well. Yes. Um, so my new book is called What If It's Wonderful? And it is releasing March 8th. 
Uh, my birthday. Yay! <laughs> Lots of celebration on that day. <gasps> yes. Um, you can pre-order it now, um, and it'll be a fun surprise to you on your doorstep on on March eighth. Um, and love connecting with readers and listeners. I try to respond to every message. I'm certain I don't do that perfectly, but. Um, I love hearing from you. So my website's a great place to connect. And that's just Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E-Z-A-S-O-W-S-K-I, NicoleZazowski.com. And Instagram is the social media platform I hang out the most. And so I'm at Nicole Zazowski there. Yes. Okay, that's great. I'll make sure to link to all of this in the show notes. And um, yeah, this has been such a treat. Um, I wanted to ask you a question because I think last time I asked you this question that I normally ask about, you know, what you would do with four hours of free time. But I wanted to know, um, as a mom of three now, um, what is one of your favorite ways to take a little rest time for yourself when you need it? I'm a bath person. I really like to take baths. Are you like, do you set up the little tray with the, you know, uh, with the candle and all the, you know, the Instagram <laughs> pictures that we always no, see? No, most of the time my baths don't look like that, but I do dim the light. Sometimes I'll light a candle, but mostly just a warm bath by myself is, is good enough for me. That's amazing. Good for you. <laughs> or, I, or I take a walk. One of those two things. Oh, they're both, they're both so, so good for the heart and the soul and the mind. Yeah. Okay, Nicole, thank you so much for joining me today. So good to talk with you. Thanks so much. I looked up the definition of the word savor and from several different resources found the collective meaning to be enjoying something completely, whether it's food or experience. As I read this, I immediately thought of the many meals I have raced through, snacks eaten on the go, sounds, views, moments that I have not savored in my life. Maybe you, like me, need to ask yourself the question, do I savor the little moments in life enough? The sound of my child's laughter, the way a delicious meal tastes, the warmth of a blanket, and a hot cup of tea, raindrops, a memory made intentionally like collecting sea glass. Trauma and fear can prevent us from living our lives freely, but it doesn't have to. What's the next step for you today? I hope this conversation with Nicole has provided you with some helpful tools and encouragement. Thanks for joining me here today and make sure you click on that subscribe button if you haven't already because there are some great episodes in the near future and I don't want you to miss them. Have a great week friends and see you here again soon.